Okay, guys, we're in uh, Lesson 7. We're in Chapter 2 now. If you remember last week, uh, when we looked at it, Paul was kind of warning us against false teachers. He's going to expand upon that a little bit more here now when we get into verses 18 through 23. And he's going to talk about false spirituality. Because I'm, I'm going to be honest with you folks, the greatest threat to you in your Christian life, okay, the greatest threat to your Christian life is not Islam, okay? It's, it's not a false religion. That's not the greatest threat to you. Somebody came in here espousing something that's completely different than what you would believe, you would immediately dismiss it and say, you know what, that's baloney, I'm not believing that. So that's really not the greatest threat to you guys. The greatest threat to you and I is somebody who comes in and suddenly changes what we believe and suddenly changes the whole concept of salvation and what you need to do or don't have to do for your acceptance with God. Did you understand what I'm saying? That's the greatest threat to you. And it comes in, it doesn't come in like a major change, because if it was a major change, you would immediately acknowledge it and say, hey, that's wrong. But it's a subtle thing that happens. It actually, can I be honest with you, starts out like a good idea. Do you know what I'm saying? Like a good idea. It starts out with a good idea. Let's keep each other from doing this so that we're okay in our Christian life. And then soon it becomes a law. And if you don't meet that law, then there must be something wrong with you. You must not be a Christian. Okay? So we're going to talk today about false spirituality. And some of it has to do with legalism. But we want you to see... Uh, the reality of why we need to be on guard. And why, really, you and I need to be men and women of the Word of God. Do you understand? How do you recognize the subtle, false teaching that may come into our life? You recognize it because you're a man and woman of the Word of God. Because you've studied it. You've, you've, you've been convinced by yourself what the Scripture is telling you, rather than just going by what Pastor so-and-so says. Okay? See, like here, here's here's my prayer. My prayer is is that you believe what you believe, not because I told you it or taught you it. My prayer is that you get to the place where you believe what you believe because you saw it in the Bible, and you studied it, and you understood from the epistles what Paul was saying, or what John was saying, or what the apostles were saying, or what Jesus was saying. Did you understand what I'm saying? You get to that place where you're convinced, not because George said it but because you saw it. Now, where does George come in? George affirms it because he teaches it because it's there in the Scripture. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, if you get to the place where you and George diverge, then you got to ask yourself, am I going wrong or is George going wrong? Do you know what I'm saying? And if George is going wrong, you backslap him out of the church. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? So that's why we've got to be on guard for false spirituality. Okay? So let's look, we're going to look at verse 18 and 19 first of all. Look at chapter 2. Look at what he says here. Let no one 
cheats you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with increase, that is, from God. Okay, now, what I want you to see here, guys, is this. A couple of things. We're going to see, first of all, he's going to tell us to be on guard. So, Paul calls his readers to not let anyone cheat or disqualify them of their reward. So, you need to be on guard... That some guy, some teaching, some teacher doesn't come along and cheats you of your reward. Now, what do you mean? You understand, cheat is not like, you know, again, like if we play cards or something or a board game. You know, some people relish in cheating just to have fun and to add flavor to the game. You know what I'm saying? And, and, they, and they're very obvious about it because they want you to know that they're cheating. Well, that's not truly cheating. Cheating, and it's necessary. So, yeah, it is cheating, but... But when somebody really cheats, they don't want anybody to know they're cheating. Did you understand what I'm saying? They're being subtle about it. And that's what a false teacher does. So what he's saying here is you shouldn't let anybody cheat you, and then he adds one, disqualify you from your reward. From your reward. Now, what, what reward are we talking about here, George? Are we talking about salvation? No. The issue is not their salvation but their rewards in heaven. The issue isn't the issue of your salvation. Don't anybody cheat you of your salvation. That's not what he's talking about here. Rather, he's talking about your rewards in heaven. What do you mean? Well, you're saved, but what you do from this, from the point of salvation on will be rewarded by Christ. And it's possible for you to be cheated of your rewards. Because you're being deceived by someone concerning what you really need to be doing. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? You're deceived. And, and we'll talk about that a little bit further later on. About how, especially with legalism, you could be convinced that this is the right thing to do. And then one day you'll go to be with Jesus and you realize that you wasted all your time and effort and got nothing. Did you understand what I'm saying? No reward. So he's talking here about being on guard. So, what are we talking about here? False religion. False spirituality. So, let's take a look at it. It's going to be, it's going to be exhibited in false humility. These false teachers were marked by a false humility that appealed to their pride. Have you ever met somebody who's truly humble versus somebody who acts humble? Ever met the, seen the difference in that? Somebody who's truly humble versus somebody who really acts humble. The person who acts humble is almost a false humility because they take pride in coming across like they're what? Really humble, really spiritual. Did you understand what I'm saying? And, and you, you see through it because the only, you know, they come across with this false humility because it's appealing to their own what? Pride. That's, see, that's the danger of coming across like a spiritual person. Is that rather than just being you and being humble about you, you want to come across as humble because that really feeds into your what? Your ego. 
Did you understand what I'm saying? False spirituality or claiming a spirituality of yourself feeds into your ego. And these false teachers, Paul's saying here, were, were marked by a false humility that appealed to their ego, their pride. Okay? So here's what they did. They imposed strict guidelines on themselves to look spiritual. Ever met somebody like that? They imposed all these different guidelines to look spiritual to other people. Now, let me just stop for a moment. Let me just kind of delineate that for you in a moment. There are some folks who, who do things and don't do things because God told them about it, but they don't tell anybody else. They do it in secret. These folks, because they're into the appearance of humility, impose upon themselves strict guidelines and they tell everybody that they don't do it. Did you understand what I'm saying? They, they make it very evident that they're not doing certain things because they want to appear to be spiritual. So think back in your mind. A lot of you have been in church a long time. You met Mr. and Mrs. Joe Spiritual or Josephine Spiritual in the church. You know, and they came across as being really holy people because they let you know that they didn't do certain things. They didn't eat in certain restaurants. They didn't go to the grocery store on Sunday to buy milk. Do you know what I'm saying? Because that's wrong. But the reality was it was all what? False spirituality. They're imposing upon themselves these strict guidelines, outward things. Isn't it true? What we're talking about is outward stuff, right? Outward appearance stuff to make them look what? Spiritual. Now, why am I making this point here? Why is Paul making this point here in this epistle? Because the danger is for you and I in a church, we can look at that and say, that's what I need to do. In order for me to be spiritual, because we're always wanting to be closer in our walk with God, right? And if we don't know the Word of God, we look at others that we think are spiritual, and we start saying to ourselves, well, you know, maybe I shouldn't go there, maybe I shouldn't do this, or maybe I shouldn't do that, or maybe I need to do this or that or another. Because just like Joe spiritual or Josephine spiritual. See, this is what a false teacher does. It's all about themselves. See, you have to understand, they're feeding their own egos, but yet we are deceived by them. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let's go on here. Not just the issue of false humility. They focused on, in Paul's day, they focused on a concept of angels as a means to access God. In Paul's day, these false teachers... We're just coming across with this false spirituality. They were proposing a, a type of angelology which, in which you focused on your angel. You've got this protective angel, so you, you make access to this angel. Now, we don't struggle as much with that in the church anymore, okay? But I'll be honest with you, I have seen it where the immature in the church still focus on that. I mean, seriously, though, okay? Think about it. How many times have you seen on Facebook somebody putting a post about what their guardian angel is doing? You say, well, I don't have friends like that. Well, when you're a pastor, everybody wants to be your friend. And so I see that. I'm like, are you kidding me? 
Do you know what I'm saying? That's craziness. It's a false spirituality that can deceive you away from the truth. Because remember now, false spirituality wants you to be deceived away from the truth of what? Our salvation alone and our acceptance with God is with who only? Jesus. So these folks were focused on the concept of angels as a means for access to God. Here's the other thing, and this is the one I, we have to be so careful about, because it can happen even in our own circle of churches, or in our church. They were guided by their visions as an ultimate authority. They were guided by their visions as an ultimate authority for spirituality. This is the guy or gal who says, well, in my dream, God told me to do this, and they do that. You know, you know what? I'm not opposed to dreams. Let me just go ahead and say that. Is it possible that God can communicate to you through dreams? Yeah, it's possible. But what I'm going to tell you right now is, is what Paul's telling us here. That's not your ultimate authority. Because it may be from God, or it may be from a bad, hot Italian sausage the night before. Do you understand? Bad pizza. Do you know what I mean? It's possible. But the ultimate authority isn't your dream. The ultimate authority is the Word of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? What He says in His Word. I'm not taking away from the possibility that God can speak to us in dreams. He can. But what's happening here with these false teachers is that they were saying, well, I had a dream, and in my dream I saw this. You say, do people operate that way? Yes, they operate that way. In the name of Christianity, they operate that way, where the dreams are elevated above what? The Word of God. That happens. Aren't you glad we don't say that here? Oh, if you want to get married, please come to talk to Brad and I, and we'll, we'll, have some, we'll eat a lot of peppers the night before, and we'll see if we have a good dream for you, Okay. No, that's not working that way, is it? Aren't you glad? Okay? But, but the reality is, is listen, these folks, this false spirituality, look who, can I, let's stop for a moment. Let's talk about this. Every one of the points that he's made so far, they impose upon themselves a, a strict action plan of how they're supposed to act to appear spiritual. They communicate, they say, with angels to have a f- access to God. They, they present their dreams as being authoritative. Let's stop for a moment. Who's looking good in all that? Who's looking good? Who, who's the basis of everything that's happening there? Yeah, the, the teachers, the false teachers. Do you have yours? Who's left out of every discussion there? They're not talking about Jesus. They're making themselves look good by this false sense of spirituality. Now, do you see the danger of that with you and I? Because I'm going to be honest with you folks, Paul, all the epistles talk about false teachers. They come up from among us, is what Paul will say. They'll come up from among us. And it's subtle. They just don't all of a sudden say, hey, look at me. We start to say, oh, look how spiritual they are. And then they start doing more crazier stuff And the immature among us are deceived. 
Now notice what I said. The immature among us are deceived. Because those of you who are mature and who know your Bible, maybe you won't say anything, but in the back of your mind you're saying, "Ah, I don't know about that guy. I don't know about that. But here's the thing. We don't vocalize that, right? Not in church. We don't want to vocalize that. But the problem is, is that there's deception going on and people are being deceived. And here's what happens. Ultimately, they get cheated of their reward. Because they start to go down a path adhering to things, thinking that this is what they need to do for their walk with Jesus. And Jesus never told them to do any of that stuff. Do you understand? Let me just stop for a moment. Here's what I want you to see. You may want to write this down. You are not going to get rewarded for the stuff that Jesus didn't tell you to do. Do you hear what I'm saying? Your reward in heaven isn't going to be for the stuff that Jesus didn't tell you to do. You're going to be rewarded for your obedience to what he told you to do, not the stuff that he didn't tell you to do. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, I'm, I'm going to be flat out honest with you. When I was a young Christian, 30 years ago, boy, it's been that long, 30 years, I was frustrated by legalism. Because I would pray and ask God, God, help me to do this stuff, and then help never came. The grace was never there. The strength was never there to do it. Why? Because he never told me to do it in his word. Now, you understand, he'll give you grace in the areas he tells you to do. Do you understand what I'm saying? Abstain from sexual immorality. This is the will of God. Yeah, he'll give you grace because he told you to do that. But the other stuff, he doesn't give you grace for that. Because he didn't tell you to do that. Did you understand what I'm saying? And so you've got to be careful because these folks, this subtle type of stuff, will come in and just knock the feet out from under you. So they're guided by visions. Here's the other thing. They're just filled with pride. They were filled with pride because of their supposed knowledge. All right, let me just stop for a moment. This is very true in church. You know, I've I've been pastoring now since, for a while, okay? This is my second church. I've been with you guys 14 years, almost 14 years now. In my time of pastoring, I have met older men. Now, it's not so much true now anymore as we get older and the older men are dying off and the rest of us become older. But it was not uncommon to meet senior guys who the the highest level of their education was maybe eighth grade. You know what I mean? Some of you older, some of you older guys know what I'm talking about. You remember working with guys you know, they quit quit school to go to work. Or it's not uncommon yet in our area to find men who don't read. Right? You know, they know just enough to read and maybe just enough to sign a signature, but if you ask them what book have you read in the last year, they're gonna say, What are you talking about? They don't find any pleasure in reading. Okay? Now here's what happens, because in church we whether we like it or not, we've been subtly, subtly influenced to believe that spirituality means that I have a depth of theological knowledge. And so most men would say, well, there's no way for me to be spiritual because I don't read. I don't have that education. I can't answer those questions. 
what I'm trying to say to you, Paul's saying here is, is that these false teachers were filled with pride because they had this, quote, supposed knowledge. They were the guys who were, ooh, I got the answer. Look at me. The problem is, is that's not spirituality. Paul tells us what? 1 Corinthians 13. You can have all the knowledge in the world, but if you don't have love, you have nothing. Did you understand what I'm saying? Your spirituality, your acceptance with God is not based upon how deep your theological brain is. But let me just stop for a moment. The issue isn't how much doctrine you know, it's how much you know Jesus. Did you understand what I'm saying? The issue isn't how much doctrine you know, but how much you know Jesus. So I've met some men who really thought they were worthless, but I'll be honest with you, knew Jesus well. And were deeply spiritual men. And this could be true for women as well. But yeah, they couldn't quote the doctrine of this or the doctrine of that. But they knew the Lord and they knew their Bibles. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, these guys will come in and suddenly say to you, it's all about knowledge. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm getting older. You know, I I meet guys and they, they act so big because of what they know. That ain't impressing me no more. It impressed me when I was younger, but because I'm matured and I understood, that's not impressing me. See, it appeals to our... Look at what it's appealing to in their life with this supposed knowledge. What is it appealing in their life? Pride. See, humility, true humility, looks at your life and compares it to who? God, and says what? I'm not worthy to even breathe another breath. Pride says, look at me. But yet, what, here's what pride does. Pride is blind because it overlooks what? The garbage in our lives. Did you understand? So this is what's going on with it. They were filled with pride because of their supposed knowledge. Their supposed knowledge was nothing more than idle notions. Have you noticed the stuff that these guys focus on? It's just trivial stuff. Like, not even worth even talking about. And that's why a lot of you guys will reject it. It's like, man, I'm trying to live my life, pay my bills, trying to figure out how to deal with the boss, and and you're focused on the nanosecond of this, that, or another in doctrine, and it's like, wow, I ain't got time for that. They're focused on silly stuff. Idle notions. Okay, now, here's the issue of subjection. They they refuse to place themselves... In subjection, not to the pastor, but to who? Jesus. They refuse to place themselves in subjection to the head of the church, Jesus Christ. Do you you understand what I'm saying? They refuse to allow Jesus to be the authority in their lives. Because here's what happens with these folks. They become the authority. Do you understand what I'm saying? They're the authority. Now, it's not Jesus and what he wants. Because ever talk to somebody like this and you say to them, you know, you know, so and so, you know, I understand what you're saying, but I don't know that I agree with you because right here in my Bible, Jesus says this. And here's what they do to you. Here's what they'll do. How, How long have you been saved? 
How much education do you have? What do you do for a living? I've been doing this. They're deflecting off of the issue to talk about how what? Superior they are. Did you understand what I'm saying? To talk about how superior they are, and what they do is they belittle you as they're talking about it. Do you know what I'm saying? Because why? They're not in subjection. You're bringing the point up. This is what Jesus says. They want to deflect from it and say that there's a problem with you so that they don't have to be in subjection to who? Jesus. Did you understand what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? So this is false spirituality. False spirituality. So here's, here's, here's what he says about Jesus. It is through the head, that's Jesus, that the body is nourished and held together. Do you understand how it is that we can continue to be a, a, a prospering church spiritually? It's because Jesus is working within our church. And he nourishes us, and it's Jesus who holds us together. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because listen to me, folks. It's not whether or not we root for the Steelers. We already know that because we got some folks that we love here that are rooting for somebody else. You know? It's not who you vote for because in this church, I, I talk to you folks, I got folks who vote diehard Republican and I got some diehard Democrats and I got some diehard I don't care people here. Do you know what I'm saying? So that's not the basis of our unity. Do you know what I mean? The basis of what knits us together is who, folks? Our head, Jesus Christ. Let's go on here. This enables the body to grow as God allows it. This enables the body to grow as God allows it. So then, let's look at verse 20 to 23. This is our our final section here. He's going to talk about being led astray. This is how we get led astray by these type of folks. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? Don't touch, don't taste, don't handle. Which all concern things which perish with the using, according to the commandments and the doctrines of men. These things, indeed, have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, and the neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. Okay, so let's look here. This is how we're led astray. This is the subtlety of it. Once you begin to recognize these folks, you need to understand, a lot of times you're not going to recognize it, but you need to understand this is how you're going to get led astray, how you and I are going to get led astray. Here's what he says. First of all, Because we died with Christ, we have been freed from the spiritual forces of this world. You need to understand your standing. You need to have a concept that because you accepted and committed your life to Jesus Christ when you recognized who he was, you were freed from the spiritual forces of this world, how this world operates. You were freed from that. Why? Because he did it all for you, and your acceptance with him is based upon what Jesus did for you, not what you do. Do you understand? You've been freed from this the concept of this world that you've got to do stuff to attain salvation. Do you understand me? See, only Christianity... Provide salvation not through what we do, but through what? What Christ has done for us. And so that's where you've got to, you've got to position yourself as you, if you're not going to be led astray, because here's the deception. 
In spite of their freedom, they've placed themselves under legalistic regulations. Now, here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to take take a self-test this week, a self-examination of yourself. And ask yourself, have I placed myself under some legalistic regulations that I feel that I need to do in order for me to have this concept that I'm accepted with God? Do a self-evaluation this week. And you might be shocked to see that you've suddenly embraced something. Suddenly embraced something. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal you. What are you trusting in for your salvation? What are you trusting in? Okay? Is it Jesus Christ alone? And, and, and here, in spite of their freedom in Christ, they've placed themselves under legalistic regulation. So these re- regulations concern issues of supposed purity. Now what are you talking about there, George? What are you talking about there? Well, look at, look at these issues. All of these issues here, don't touch, don't taste, don't handle, has to do with J- Jewish legalistic rituals about how to remain clean and acceptable to God. And so what they've done is, is they've placed themselves under legalistic rules for their, quote, purity with the Lord. And I would even say it this way, their acceptance with God. So here's what they're doing. Here's what you've got to guard yourself. These regulations concern the issue of permissible foods. That's the whole don't eat thing. Don't eat there. Don't do that. Don't drink that. Okay? I mean, the Mormons do that, right? Don't drink anything with caffeine, right? Jews don't eat anything pork. Muslims are the same way. It's the whole issue of, of imposing upon yourself that you're not to eat certain foods. Okay? Now, that's a regular, because if you do, you're going to contaminate yourself, you're going to contaminate yourself, and therefore you're not going to be acceptable. Here's the one that we used to do in our churches. Don't eat in church! You remember that one? Boy, we're in trouble, aren't we, as you're sipping on your coffee this morning, right? Don't eat in church! These regulations concern the issues of contamination. This has to do with stuff that you're involved with. And don't contaminate yourself by the stuff that you're involved with. So, I, And here's what you do when you do this self-evaluation. What is it that you think that if you engaged in would contaminate you? And this goes along the lines of thinking, what restaurants are you not allowed to eat at? You know, there was a time when, when folks would believe that you shouldn't go to the branding iron. Okay, remember those days? Must be something when you walk through the door that you get dirty. Did you understand what I'm saying? Because that's the concept. You become spiritually dirty because you went there. It's the what? Oh, it's the alcohol. Okay. Most restaurants I've been in, that's separate from the main eating part. Okay, if there's alcohol in the premises, they won't go there. I understand that. But, you know, here's the thing. What are they going to do on an airplane? Do you know what I'm saying? What's that? Sit on the wing. Okay. All right. Do you understand what I'm saying? You've got to be careful with this concept of what contaminates you. This is what's going on here. They were to avoid things that, in order to make themselves acceptable to God. You've got to take this evaluation. How does this happen? 
well-meaning preachers. You know, I, I'm going to be flat out honest with you. What keeps me from spewing legalism to you guys is the fear that I would lead you astray. But I'll be honest with you, there's a lot of things I see that just turn my stomach in this culture. Turn my stomach as far as things that are there. And I could come and say to you, one, you know, I could get really irritated and upset and come to you and say, Hey, you guys need to quit watching TV. It's the, it's the tool of the devil. Isn't that what we used to hear? You know what? And some of you would do that. But the reason why you did it is for your acceptance with God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Not because you were being cautious of what you were inputting into your mind. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's why as people got, the younger people looked at that and said, what are you talking about? I don't see that in the Bible. You ever notice young people say that? I don't see that in the Bible. Forget that. Old people are willing to accept it because brother so-and-so told them. You know? Yeah. Yeah, he tells you don't do that. It's me, and it's the motive of I am being obedient personally to God. It's not a global thing where everyone has to do this. No, God just told me. Yes. So the motive is what's true. Yes, and what happens is, Jimmy, you're exactly right. Because then, okay, let's say this. God tells me to quit eating chocolate. Okay? Because chocolate's not good. Well, then what I do is, is I get up and I start telling you every Sunday, you know what, you need to refrain from chocolate. Now, some of you would be rebellious. I know that. Okay? Alright? You'd be rebellious. Alright? But you need to refrain from chocolate because that's affecting your spirituality. God told me that. Here it is. God told me that. In a vision. God spoke to me. Now, some of you would be flat out, if you were smart, you would say, you know what, I don't know that I need to keep coming here. But some of you would say, who don't know their Bible, well, maybe George, you know, George has been here 14 years. George was there when, when, with me in the hospital, and George loves me, and George is, you know, yeah, maybe George is right. No more M&Ms. No more Dove chocolates. Do you know what I'm saying? Because God spoke to George. What started out with a motive an issue of purity in my own life, if I impose it upon others, becomes what? Legalism. Did you understand what I'm saying? And notice something. God did not say anywhere in the Scriptures, thou shalt not eat chocolate. Okay? So let's go on. So they were to avoid things that would would make them unacceptable, That would the issue of acceptability with God. Here's their true nature. These regulations are meaningless because they don't defile a man. Going to the branding iron doesn't defile you. Eating a chocolate doesn't defile you. Walking in front of the liquor store in town does not defile you. Eating in a restaurant that has, you know, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the fancy restaurants down in Altoona now have the bar right in the middle with eating right around it. Like if you go to Texas Roadhouse, that's what it's like. That doesn't defile you. Do you see how meaningless it is? 
And if you understood that your salvation and acceptance with God has to do with what Jesus did for you, not what you do, it becomes even more meaningless, doesn't it? Meaningless. Some of you are beating yourselves up this week because you didn't spend a lot of time praying or having your devotional time. That's a form of legalism. Do you understand me? Well, isn't it important for us to spend time? Yeah, but think of it this way. If it was your sweetie, what kind of attitude would your sweetie have? Hey, we got to have our time together. Rather than you want to be with them. Do you understand? There's a difference. See, this is why you've got to examine yourself. These regulations are meaningless because they don't defile a man. These regulations are simply rules that men have created. Do you understand what I'm saying? These are rules that men have created. Here, let me tell you how silly some of these rules are. Okay? When I came up here, I came up from the south. you understand? Most of my family background is from the, the, the Carolinas. Okay? And... And, and one of the wonderful things about being in the Carolinas is, is that with, with Baptist churches especially, if you go swimming, there's a separate time of swimming for men, and then there's a, and, and a, and a separate time of swimming for the gals if you go to camp. Okay? And the reason why is you don't have mixed bathing. But down south, it might be okay to smoke in some of the churches. Now I come to the north, and I get with Baptist churches here, and in some school districts they have swim teams and everything, and it's okay. One of the youth group activities is let's go to the lake. Let's go swimming. Let's go to Splash Lagoon. But boy, you better not smoke. You better not smoke. I heard John MacArthur say this. He said, if you got all the pastors from America together and you came, try to get them together to come up with one list of rules of what's acceptable and what's not acceptable as far as behavior in church, you would have World War III. Because they wouldn't be able to agree with each other. Why? They're simply rules that men have created. Do you understand? Yeah, yeah, Nancy. Yep, yep, that, that's true. Yep, yep. Yep, or have cable. Yep. Okay, let's go on here. So, here's what he's saying. These regulations are simply rules that men have created. So here's what I want you to see, the false appearance. Legalism has an empty appearance of true wisdom and spirituality. This is what Paul says. It has the appearance that you got your act together and you are truly wise. That's what false spirituality is. But here's the thing. Legalism cannot help the believer overcome the desires of the flesh. Isn't that true? I mean, you can do all the right stuff, but you can still have a lust problem. You could do all the right stuff and be a liar. You could do all the right stuff and be a miserable, mean, angry dude or dudette. Do you you understand what I'm saying? And you know what? I've met some like that. You have. Some of the meanest people in church are the, quote, spiritual people in church, aren't they? 
See, all of this outward stuff doesn't deal with the heart. That's the most important thing. In fact, there, in fact, here's what you could say about these folks. They're just simply what? Pharisees. And what did Jesus say? Look good on the outside, like a whitewashed tomb. Look good on the outside, but on the inside we're filled with what? Dead men's bones. This is the reality. So here's the thing. So let's wrap this up here. You and I have to be on guard. Because we could suddenly go there. And before you know it, somebody's cheated you of your reward. Because you focused on that, which brings no reward. We're going to close our time. Next week, we're going to talk about putting off the old man. He's talking about dealing with the fleshly desires that legalism won't deal with. So how do we deal with it? We'll talk about that next week.